All right, good morning, Grace Chapel family. Thanks for inviting me into your living room this morning or wherever you might be watching this. Um, thank you guys for being flexible and, and rolling with our current circumstances. Um, this is definitely not the ideal situation, but I am really grateful for modern technology and the fact that we could still take time to set it aside to be in God's word together, to pray together, um, and just, just have that touch point um, at least through technology. So thank you guys for doing this. Um, I want to strongly encourage you guys as you're watching this. If you're alone watching on your phone, that's fine. I get it. Um, if you're listening online later to the podcast, thanks for listening in. But I'm, I'm hoping that you're able to gather with a few people. Um, I'm going to go through a little bit of a sermon this morning. And then at the tail end, I want to invite you guys to spend a little bit of time in conversation about this message, um, spend some time praying with one another, and we will have a couple of announcements for you as well as a church family. So um, let's, let's start the way that we always do. Let's open up in prayer, inviting God to come speak to our hearts, to open up this word to us, and then we will jump right in together this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for us. God, we, we want to just stop and acknowledge the unique moment that we are in historically. God, we lift up this entire world. We lift up our, our country. We lift up our community and our church family. God, we pray for health, for safety. Lord, for a quick resolution to this, this coronavirus. God, keep people safe. We pray um, that this thing would end quickly in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that you are the great physician. Lord, we also pray for peace and for comfort that we would not be ruled by fear or anxiety, but God, that we know we can trust you in all times, in all seasons, in all circumstances. And now, Lord, this morning, as we take a few minutes and we spend some time in your word, um, we look at the story that unfolds in the book of Joshua and specifically in the life of Caleb this morning. God, would this word come alive in our hearts um, I pray that we would hear your voice and what you want to say to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bible to Joshua chapter 14, our primary passage this morning is going to be verses 6 through 15. Um, while you're doing that, I want to give you a little context. So Joshua has taken over leadership um, and the people of Israel now moving into the promised land. And so we've had the crossing of the Jordan River. The spies, you know, went into Jericho, came back with a report. Um, the miracle of Jericho happened where the people marched around the city and eventually the walls fell down. God rescued Rahab and her family. They were kept safe because they had harbored um, the Israelite spies that came into the land. Then we move forward into the rest of the, the conquest of the land, kind of the taking over of this territory God had for them. And now things are beginning to wrap up. And so the passage we're going to look at this morning is that this faithful guy named Caleb, you might remember him as one of the original spies. When Moses, over 40 years prior, had sent 12 guys in to map out the promised land and... Um, kind of bring back a report. What's the land like? Who are the people there? What are the cities like? And so Caleb was one of only two guys, Caleb and Joshua, that brought back 
a good report that said the land is good. Yes, there are challenges and difficulties. Yes, there are giants, but we can do it. God is with us and he is for us and we can do it. And so as a result of that good report, both Joshua and Caleb were the only people from that generation that were allowed to enter the promised land. And so here they are taking territory and now we're gonna pick up the story as they're beginning to figure out which tribes are gonna settle in, in which parts of the land. And so this is now in, give me just one second here, Joshua chapter 14, verses six through 15. Let's read this together. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, and Kadesh Barnea concerning me and you. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how the Anakim were there. Remember that, the Anakim, those are the giants. And they were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day because he fully or he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. All right, that was a mouthful, a big passage. But what's taking place here is Caleb is claiming his right, his inheritance, the promise that God had made through Moses 45 years before. And he says, hey, I'm ready to take it. Let's go for it. Now, what's interesting about this land, there's a couple of fascinating things here. Um, this land is called Hebron. Hebron has showed up before. In fact, it's a very significant location in the scripture. And so the first thing I want to talk about this morning, kind of point number one, is that the land of Hebron that Caleb is claiming for his own, that land is the very first piece of property in the promised land that Israel ever owned. And so I would encourage you to go back. You can read more of this on your own. But first of all, in Genesis chapter 13, 
verse 18, after Abraham has left his homeland, traveled to Canaan, the land of promise, and spent a little bit of time there. Then he was in Egypt for a little while. He's finally starting to settle. And him and Lot, his family member, divide up some land. And in Genesis 13, 18, we see that Abraham settles in Hebron. Now, picking up from there, as Abraham's life unfolds, he still continues to just be a sojourner, a traveler in the promised land. He never owned any actual property there. And as, as the end of his life is coming, Sarah, his wife, ends up dying. And the very first piece of property that Abraham owns in the promised land is this land in Hebron. And so in Genesis chapter 23, we're going to read just a couple verses. Genesis 23 records the death of his wife, Sarah, and this process that Abraham goes through to acquire property in that land in order to bury his wife. And so at the, at the end of this, this conversation and this negotiation that he has with the Hittites, they tried to give him the land. He said, no, I, I want to pay for this. I want, I want this bit of property to be mine and I want to pay for it. And so they work this agreement out. And now in Genesis chapter 23, beginning in verse 19, it says, after this, Abraham buried his wife, Sarah, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. For Abraham's entire lifetime, this is the only piece of property he ever owns in the promised land. Now, I want you to imagine this. Not only does Abraham's life end without him owning any property there, but his children and his grandchildren live and die, and they end up being buried in the same, in the same property, the same plot of land. And then hundreds of years pass. And not only do they not own any more property in Canaan, they leave the land. Because of famine, they end up in Egypt. We've been reading about this stuff. And then they spend 400 years in Egypt, eventually enslaved to the Egyptians. And during all of this time, this promise from God, it just seems hopeless. It seems lost. In, in a very real way, the symbolism of Sarah's tomb, it seems like a promise that's dead and gone. Then we fast forward after all these years and the people finally leave Egypt. They experience that freedom and then they're afraid to go into this land, to take this territory. And so an entire generation lives in the wilderness and dies. Over and over again, it seems like at every turn, this promise is delayed. The thing I want to encourage you guys with, first of all, this morning is this thought. Be careful when we go through long seasons where the promises of God seem to be delayed. Be careful not to misunderstand delay as something that's dead. It would have been easy to look at this promise as something that was dead. Sarah's gone Abraham's gone, their forefathers are gone. Man, we'll never get that. This seems hopeless, this seems lost. 
when God says he's going to do something, when he says we have an inheritance, he's going to do something on our behalf. There are seasons of life where there are delays. Things don't seem to happen as planned. God seems to have abandoned us. Hope seems to be lost. Church family, don't lose heart. Don't view these delays as death. They're not. It's not over. It's not hopeless. His promise is sure. I want to walk you guys through a few verses this morning. In Psalm 119, it's, it's the longest psalm recorded. Um, and there's a lot of awesome themes that come up during the course of this psalm. But one of them is this theme of the promises of God and different ways that we can feel about those promises as we're walking through the ups and downs of life. I want you guys to take this in, and I would even encourage you, this could be a point of some reflection and prayer through the course of this week. So Psalm um, 119, we're just going to read a few verses here. First of all, verse 41. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. The promise of God there is, is based upon God's steadfast love and him saving us even when things seem hopeless. Verse 50 now. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. This is, this is so important. Often when promises are delayed, when hopes that we have are delayed, it sucks the life out of us. We get discouraged, we get worn down, we question. But David is writing here and he says, the opposite is meant to be true. God is faithful and his promises should actually bring life. They should be a source of comfort in the midst of affliction. And so let's find comfort in God's promises. Verse 82 now. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? Man, one of the things I've been so grateful over the years is the honesty of, of David and other writers of the Psalms where we see, man, it's a real thing for us to wrestle. Our faith journey isn't just this continuous march forward where we never doubt, we never fear, we never worry, and we just put on a fake smile and act like everything's okay. When, when God's promise seems delayed, when circumstances around us can cause us to question his faithfulness, we can cry out in honesty and say, God, how, how long? Where are you? What's going on? I need comfort. I need peace. Help me. We're invited to be real and honest with ourselves, with him, and so we can declare what's going on in our heart. And yet, we don't live there. We don't camp there. The psalmist continues Verse 116 now. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope. David's saying, listen, even when it feels like my enemies are lined up against me, everything's going against me. God, I want to hold fast to you to, to the things you're calling me to do and trust that your promise will actually uphold me, that I'm not just grasping some false hope. It's rooted in something real. A couple more verses now. Verse 123. My eyes long for your salvation, 
for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. And then finally, verse uh, 133, keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. When we are walking that long, hard road in waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled in our life, God wants to come alongside of us and steady us so we can walk sure-footed. And the, the warning here is that we're careful not to fall into iniquity, to drift away. Now, all of these passages, they're describing what Caleb was like, what he carried in his heart. He lays out how not just was he bold on that day when he brought the good report. He says, for 45 years, God sustained me in the wilderness. He was able to navigate all those struggles that God's people had where they, they were faithless at times, where they compromised at times. Caleb could say with sincerity of heart, I wholly followed the Lord. He says that about himself in the passage that we read. And later, um, Joshua says that about him. It was a defining characteristic of him that through the ups and downs of life, through the delays of God's promises, he held fast. He walked steadily with the Lord. Church family, I want to encourage you. When God's promises seem to be delayed, don't believe the lie that it's dead and gone. Don't believe the lie that our situation is hopeless. It's not. God is faithful and he is sure. And if we will hold fast to the one who is holding on to us, he will steady us as we walk forward. All right? Okay, now, the second thing we we're gonna look at together this morning. It's not just that this land of Hebron had some significance in the past and it signified some delayed promises, but this land of Hebron had something else unique going on. There were giants in the land. There were giants, and I mentioned it already, but in Joshua, back to Joshua chapter 14 now, in verse 12, specifically, um, it mentions that there's the Anakim there in great fortified cities. There are these huge giants in the land. Often, when we reach a point where it's time for us to step into the promise God has for us, we gotta be real. It's not necessarily gonna be easy. There are often gonna be difficulties that we face in grabbing hold of the promises God has for us. Listen, God told them, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you conquer. I'm going to go before you. But he invited his people to cooperate with him. He said, hey, you're going to rise up and fight. You're going to take possession of the land. And that's what Caleb is expressing a willingness to do here, to go face these giants. Here's the reality. When time passes like this, where we're waiting, where we seem to be stuck, the land doesn't lie dormant. The enemy loves to come sneaking in into our lives and in the midst of long, hard seasons of wilderness wandering, he wants to establish giants that then keep us at bay. I want you to consider this morning, what are some potential giants in your life, in your way that are eating your lunch? You know, if we fast forward, we'll look at some point in the future where David faces the giant Goliath. And one of the things we see um, coming out of Goliath's mouth is 
mockery, taunting the people of God. And so part of what David had to face was not just the physical battle of facing that giant, but that the negative voice, you're little, you're small, your God's not with you, I'm going to defeat you. Giants want to come in and set up camp and take over land that God has intended for us. There is, there is territory in our lives. Let's not just conceptualize this in some overly spiritual way. Think about your home life, your marriage relationships, your friendships. Think about your own walk with Jesus, just your ability to hear his voice in your life, to follow and obey him, to understand his word. And, and think about the way the enemy wants to come along and he will establish these strongholds in our life that rip us off from what God has for us. Maybe there's a giant that's ripping off your marriage right now. Maybe there's a giant of addiction that's shown up in your life and you just feel defeated by this thing. I want you to, to, to pause and consider, are there any giants in your life right now? Name them. Who are they? What are they doing? And I want you to consider something. Have those giants lived there for so long that you have begun to feel weak and just accept them as inevitable. At this point in the story, much of the territory had been taken, but this specific area that Caleb wanted, it had not been conquered yet. He looked at the land of Hebron, he looked at God's promise, the thing he'd been waiting for for a very long time, and he looked at it honestly. He said, there are fortified cities there, there are giants there that I'm gonna have to face, but I'm ready to take them. And what he said about himself, I want you to pay specific attention to this. This is now verses 10 through 12. Again, Joshua chapter 14. And now behold, Caleb says, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And behold, I am this day 85 years old. He's being honest about himself. I'm an old man now. I'm 85. But look what he says about himself. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be, I love this, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. I want you to look at Caleb's mentality here. First of all, he says, I'm old, but I'm strong. He's honest about his physical condition, but he has boldness and courage because he says, God has kept me strong. When we're facing giants, let's not shrink back and settle for this mentality of they've been there too long and I'm getting old and I, I've been stuck with this addiction, this struggle all this time. There's been this obstacle that I've faced forever. I just don't ever see this getting any better. This relationship has been a battle for years. I don't see me ever overcoming this. No, don't do that. Don't settle for weakness and being stuck in a rut. Look honestly and say, hey, I might be old. 
I might have been walking this, this road with the Lord for a long time, but he is with me and I am strong enough to conquer. And then the courage of Caleb continues. We see his faith here. He doesn't just say, hey, I'm strong enough to go fight. He says, maybe the Lord will be with me as he promised. He's still expressing an element of faith. He believes in God's promise, but he's saying, hey, I I hope he's gonna be there with me as I go take this territory. I don't know for sure, but I'm going anyway. Give me the land. I'm taking that territory. Church family, when there are giants for us to face and there's a promise that seems delayed, don't shrink back. Walk steadily with the Lord and trust him. And when the moment comes to fight, let's stand up and fight. Let's wholly follow the Lord and watch him help us take new territory. Let's call out those giants for what they are and say, I'm done with you. Fellas, Man, if you're struggling with with lust, I mean, we are just ravaged by it in our culture. We don't even have to go looking for it. It finds us. And if you just feel like that thing has been eating your lunch for far too long, don't let that giant keep you from what God has for you. Face it. Call it out by name. And then cry out to God and say, God, you be my strength and help me fight this thing and win and experience new victory in my life. Whatever it may be, that's just an example, but whatever that stronghold, that giant might be, let's face it and let's fight. Now, last thing, and then we'll, we'll close this up this morning. We see that Caleb did go forward. He did fight and he conquered. He was successful. If we move into chapter 15, um, just within the first few verses, it begins to describe um, the territory that everyone took. And then it says specifically about Caleb. This is now Joshua 15, verse 17, or sorry, chapter 15, verse 13. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the people of Judah. Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the father of the Anak. So the, the city was named after the father of all these giants. Verse 14. And Caleb, 85-year-old Caleb, drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Sheshai, Ahaman, and Talamai, the descendants of Anak. He went in and he was victorious. Now there's one more thing that the book of Joshua tells us about the, this territory of Hebron. And it's found in Joshua chapter 20. I want you to see this as we close, guys, because this is, this is a huge life principle. I could encourage you to read all of Joshua chapter 20. It's a short passage. But in, in verse nine, it wraps up this passage and it's describing the role of these specific cities that are set up throughout the land to be places of refuge. These are places where people can go and find help. And so verse nine of Joshua chapter 20 describes this. These were the cities designated for all the people of Israel and for the stranger sojourning among them that anyone who had killed a person without intent could flee there so that he might not die by the hand of the avenger of blood till he stood before the congregation. Verse seven tells us that Hebron was one of these cities of refuge, one of these places where someone who had blown it 
massively, someone who'd made a huge life-altering mistake, in this specific instance, had killed someone by accident. This isn't premeditated murder. This is, this is an accidental death. They could flee in the midst of this huge mistake they've made. They could find refuge in one of these cities. I love this. Hebron, the place where the promised had seemed dead. Hebron, the place where giants had lived. Caleb goes in and sees the dead promise resurrected and come back to life. Caleb goes in and sees giants defeated in this land that God has for him. And now this very place where the promise was resurrected, where the giants were defeated, it now becomes a place of refuge for others who are in need. Guys, this is how good God's heart of redemption is for us. When he rescues us, when he brings us into the land he has for us, when we gain victory over an area of massive struggle in our life, we now become a place of refuge for others. This is a life principle. Other people in need who've massively blown it. Maybe they've made huge mistakes where they're life-altering mistakes and they feel like they have nowhere to turn. It might even be someone who feels completely alone like they're a stranger. These cities of refuge were both for God's people and for the foreigner in their land. They were meant to be a place of rescue and help. Okay, so church family, to kind of wrap all of this together, I just want to encourage you as we go. Number one, man, be open to those old places of promise, things that maybe feel like they're dead, things you've given up hope on. Let's believe again that God can resurrect those dreams. Let's walk steadily with him, even through some of those wilderness seasons, trusting and believing that he still has stuff for us, new territory for us to take. Secondly, I just want to encourage you, maybe, maybe you're at the cusp of that territory, but the giants feel very real to you right now. Identify them, call them by name. Maybe you've struggled with fear, anxiety, depression, Maybe there's some addiction or sin that's been a battle for a long time. Maybe there's, there's a relationship that's been difficult or even broken and you've given up hope on it. I want to encourage you, don't feel like you're stuck, like it's been too long. Like Caleb, find new strength, trust in the Lord, and be willing to face those giants and believe Jesus for victory. Part of the powerful grace of God that's present in our lives is not just the grace that forgives old stuff, it's the grace that energizes us to be who God's calling us to be and do what God says we can do by his strength, by his might. And so let's find that. And then thirdly, I wanna encourage you, don't forget old giants you've defeated. Don't forget old promises that have been fulfilled. Remember not only those victories, Remember what it was like before the victory and become a person who's a place of refuge and rescue for others in need. Others who are feeling hopeless and stuck and lost. Others who are feeling alone. That's who we're called to be as the people of God. It's who our Jesus is and it's who he wants to be in us and through us in the lives of others. All right? So, Let's close in some prayer this morning. 
And then before, before we go, I want to give you a little bit of direction on some things we can be praying for and a couple of important announcements, all right? All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for everything we've talked about this morning. Thank you for the example of Caleb and his life faithfully walking with you, holding fast to your promises even when they seemed so far away, years even in the waiting. Lord, thank you for resurrecting old dreams that seem dead. Lord, thank you for giving us victory over giants that feel like they're insurmountable and they've been camped out in our lives for far too long. God, help us to find new hope in you. Help us to find new strength in you. And Lord, ultimately, help us to be people who are a place of refuge for others. God, we love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. All right, church family, a couple things. I want to encourage you, if you're watching this together with a group of people or even with your family, take advantage of this moment. Um, Right here on the church website, we're posting the notes from my sermon, but we're also posting some discussion questions. Take a few minutes, talk with each other, wrestle through how some of these things might apply to your life right now. Be real, be honest, and then pray together. I would encourage you guys, pray for each other right there in your living room, in that circle of people you're hanging out with. Maybe share some prayer requests you're going through. Also, pray for our church family. Pray for us as church leaders for direction, um, just going forward as we're kind of navigating this very unique season that we're in right now. Pray for individual members of our church body. Man, if you guys are aware of things others are struggling with and going through, let's lift each other up. And then finally, let's just be praying and trusting God over the larger stuff that's happening in the world around us, in our world, in our country, in our local community specifically. Pray for God to help um, calm fears and anxieties that we would find peace in him. Um, It's perfect love. It's his perfect love that casts out fear. Let's pray for that. Let's pray for healing and help that this virus would stop in its tracks Um, that God would heal and protect people who maybe um, have been infected uh, and ultimately that this would come to a quick resolution. Let's believe that in Jesus' name, all right? Lastly, I've got some important announcements for you guys, okay? Number one, no life groups this week. It's spring break, enjoy the break. But listen, if you're in town, find ways to be connected with each other. We need each other. But there are no official life groups meeting this week. Our current plan is, is that the week of of Monday the 23rd that our life groups will be back. But stay tuned. You can check our website, watch um, your email for our e-bulletin, watch our social media accounts, and we'll let you know what's going to happen with both our life groups going forward and our Sunday gatherings. But, But for sure, this week of spring break, no life groups. This coming Sunday, the 23rd, we will not gather at at North Shore Elementary for church. We will do something similar, some kind of a video that we'll put out for you guys on the website again. And so you can watch for that next Sunday, the 22nd, all right? So finally, um, a couple things we've been announcing recently. We're gonna continue to plan for them and then we will cancel as we need to. And so we've been announcing the foundations dinners where my wife, Amy and I, 
host folks in our home. We meet four weeks in a row. We have dinner together. We cover some core foundational beliefs that we have as a church, and we get to know one another. It's a a great chance to build some relationship, to get connected into our church, to bring any questions that you might have. We are really hoping to continue those dinners as planned starting at the end of March for four weeks. So if you're interested, um, sign up. You can click a link on our website in the announcements section, or you can go to our e-bulletin and sign up there to let us know that you're interested. Um, And then lastly, men, we are still planning on our men's retreat the last weekend of April. It's April 24th and 25th. It's a Friday night through a Saturday night. We'd love to have you guys out. It, sign up and register. It's, it's available for registration. Here's the deal. If we end up canceling because of the coronavirus, we will refund the money. The place that we've booked, we're able to cancel up to about a week before the event. And so over the next couple of weeks, we'll watch things and hopefully we'll go forward and have an incredible time together, men. Um, if not, we'll return your money and, and cancel or reschedule as needed. All right? Church family, we love you. Um, stay connected with each other, prayerfully hold on to the Lord. Let's not live in panic or in fear, but let's be wise and let's trust Jesus. Amen? All right, we love you guys and we'll talk to you soon.